Hi, this is the Social Jello with Angelo show. My name's Angelo. I'm a social scientist, surfer, martial artist, and a whole lot of other things. Coming to you live from Kasai City, Japan, the Social Jello with Angelo show. Hey, what's up, everyone? Thanks for checking out Social Jello with Angelo. If you can, if you're listening to this from iTunes or some other streaming site, please subscribe to Social Jello with Angelo. I'm trying to get a thousand subscribers, and that's all I want to be able to support my show. If you like what you hear, just subscribe. This is part of the Kajukembo series, where we talk about the Hawaiian martial art of Kajukembo, and I interview different martial arts practitioners and their journeys. Today, I interview Bob Derish. I hope you enjoy the interview. All right, so we are getting going here, and I'm here with Bob. Bob, Darish, you got it. Nice. I got the last <laughs> name on the first try. Bob Darish is a martial artist, and uh, this is part of the Kaju Kembo series, as I mentioned in the intro. How's it going, Bob? That's going well, Angelo. How are you? Pretty good. Pretty good. Where are you ha- Where are you hailing from? Uh, you're coming from Kansas. Wichita, Kansas. Wichita, Kansas. Yeah. Well, you're not in Kansas anymore, bud. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, actually, I'm trying to get out. All right. I'm trying. I'm working on it. I'm working on it. So, hopefully, before the summer's over, I'll I'll have a place to go to. Nice. Nice. So, <laughs> so how how long have you been in Kansas now, man? Since. Uh, July 16, 2012. Uh, 2012. 2012. Yeah, seven years. Seven years. And uh, I guess for my listeners, uh, what do you do for work or what do you do for I'm, a, I'm an engineer in the aerospace business. Oh, cool. 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 Yeah. Cool, cool. And getting straight into our, to our series here, uh, how long have you been training in martial arts? Oh, so I had my first lesson was probably, I don't know, late, late 1970 or early 1971. I don't know exactly when, but thereabouts. So that puts us late, late 1970. Let's, let's call it 71. Oh, say 71. Early 71, yeah. Mm-hmm. 2011, so over over 40 years. Yeah, but it hasn't been it hasn't been steady. All right, it hasn't been it hasn't been consistent instructor based training. There's been a lot of periods of lull, and uh, so lots of periods of lulls. And what was the first style that you started training? In? It was, believe it or not, Taekwondo. Taekwondo, Taekwondo, and yeah. how? Uh, where? Where was this? Where did you? This was. This was in Denver. Denver. Okay. Yeah. And what? What made you want to get into martial arts? How did you? What attracted you? To oh, that? I don't know. It was something that that I wanted to do for a long time, starting probably in, since junior high school. Maybe. Maybe after. Maybe. Maybe. So probably in junior high school is where I realized that I probably needed to learn how to fight <laughs> and then <laughs> and then maybe it was like in in high school sometime when I really discovered that there's such a thing as martial arts and and self-defense things I wasn't exposed to it at all and anywhere in my life so I, it's it's through maybe watching movies or something where or maybe there was, I think there might have been somebody in in, um, in a high school class that was taking a Shotokan class or something. Okay. Somehow, somehow I got exposed to the concept of, yeah, you can go and sign up for martial art lessons somewhere else. And, you know, um, that didn't happen, though, until after I left high school. Oh, okay. Okay. And how did that go? How was that experience starting to do? Taekwondo. What, what, where were you in your life at that point? Where were you? What were you up to? I was uh, going to school. Okay. Right. So you were in college, and, yeah. you, and you walk into your first Taekwondo class. 
Well, so so I was walking through the, the lobby of the dorm one evening, and uh, there was a demonstration going on from the local taekwondo club. The school had an intramural taekwondo club. Uh, you know, I, I saw during the demonstration, and I hung around and I watched, and it was pretty neat. So I went and I talked to the guys afterwards, and because it was an intramural club, um, rates and fees were really low. They were student-based membership for joining, joining a club. And uh, I, that's when I started. So the, the first lessons were held in the lobby of the dorm on, you know, two nights a week or something. I don't remember when they were, but two nights a week. And this is back in 1971, right? So right. one thing I want to address right off the bat, um, what would you say are the differences between the way Taekwondo was being practiced in 1971 in Colorado and the way you've seen Taekwondo practice now. <laughs> okay, so um, I, things have changed, all right? Um, in 71, we were, 71, that, that late 60s, early 70s era in martial arts, was a pretty much like a golden age of competition. That's where all of your superstars came up. The Taekwondo that we were practicing, there were no pads, um, no head protection, no, no foot protection, no, no knuckle or foam wrapped around your knuckles and nothing. Um, people got hit. There was blood. I got stitches on my face several times from getting hit. Um, it was all controlled, but sometimes it isn't. <laughs> you know, sometimes two two fifty percent blows meet head on, and and <laughs> you know, um, you know, I, my my shins got you know that series of nicks up and down your shin bones, right? You can rub even to this day. You can rub. My your fingers are over my shins. I can feel the ridges from from all you know all the round kicks uh, that that were being blocked and stuff. So it was it was different. Um, it, it was it was self defense. It was it was fighting. Yeah, it sounds like real fighting. And when I've talked to people, I, I, and the reason I'm addressing this right off the bat because I know this is part of the Kaju Kembo series. And for anybody who started doing martial arts, uh, well, by the, I know by the time I started, in my generation, by the time I started, and I did Kaju Kembo, and as you know, uh, we shared the same instructor, um, Professor Ronnie Sagiri. He used to share his uh, studio with a Taekwondo school. And I've told the story before. Of, uh, he told me, yeah, if you ever want to do some extra training for sparring or point sparring, whatever, they do point sparring. I didn't even know what point sparring was because every time I trained with Sifu, we only did continuous, which was pretty much a mix. If you look at the way Sifu did things, it was pretty much MMA. Um, so when I walked into that Taekwondo class for the first time, very limited contact, uh, um, a lot of no-touch, uh, yeah. phantom points, hit one hit and not really a, a hit. I actually almost got kicked out of the class because I, uh, I did a what I figured was a light crescent kick to someone's head, and I guess the instructor disagreed with me, said it was excessive contact. There was no blood, so I, mean, I figured. How excessive could it? He was still standing, right? Yeah, he was still standing. It wasn't like I. So how excessive around. could it have been, right? Exactly, 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 exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, that, that's a. a and that's what I wanted to address. That's one of the things. Yeah. That, so, right. right so, you know, thing, things change in the world, right? Um, you know, now people are worried about insurance. They're worried about um, money <laughs> in the tug dogs, you know. They, they, they're afraid of losing students because a student would get hurt and run out crying and never come back. So, you know, times have changed. And I guess it's the direction too, right? Like, uh, how many 
Was it, was there a, a kids class in that Taekwondo class that you were taking? No, it was all, it was, and when I was starting, it was all college age kids, right? We were all in the dorm together and this was, this was a club. Um, we had competitions now within other universities, right? It was intramural competitions between other universities, the same school, the same Taekwondo school, but they had each university in the local area had, had a, had a school, had a, had a club rather. And we had, you know, twice a year, there were competitions and they were contact competitions. There were, it was no points. Yeah. And I think another good point you're bringing up here is this idea that, uh, this was, uh, the early stages of Taekwondo, early stages of a lot of martial arts back then, it was more focused towards adults and for actual fighting. While as time passed, the market kind of changed and, and there's nothing, I'm not criticizing this because even, even here in Kaj, even in Kajukembo, we teach kids, right? Um, mm -hmm. but, uh, so, but even in Kajukembo, so, like if you look at some of the history, I was reading this book, uh, well, I have it right here. I mean, let me pull it out so my readers can see it. I was reading this book here called, uh, The Black Robe. It was written by, uh, David Tavarius and he kind of talks about some of the history of Kajukembo. And he talks about how, um, back in the day in the Palama settlement, a lot of the original class was also only adults. They were hesitant to teach children. And his book goes into this story about uh, uh, how one of the professors ended up as a teenager. Like they were hesitant to have him trained because he was still underage. But they brought him in. But he was like one of the first few, I guess, kids or adolescents that they led into the program. Because back then, it was more focused towards adults and fighting. As time, like I said, times change and you try to change your programs to adjust for everyone. But I want to just so, kind so of address that, like how times have changed. <laughs> the, the school now, so this was the, uh, I, was, I was at the university intramural club. If I went downtown into the school, all right, the school did have a Saturday morning class, but you didn't see 10-year-old kids in there. All right. They were young teenagers. All right. A little bit older, not not little, little tiny, you know, little tiny kids. So they were they were youngsters, but they were able to. Change their own diapers, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> so. Yeah. yeah. And again, anyone listening, I'm not criticizing kids programs. OK, like I run a kids program. I have. I have kids really young, as, as young as three and four, and I'm teaching them real basics on how to punch and kick and how to be athletic and stuff. So I'm, I'm not criticizing that. I just want to point out the changes in approaches as time has passed in martial arts. So you, you took your first Taekwondo class. Now let's fast forward. Let's fast forward. Yeah. Uh, you eventually got into Kajukembo. Uh, yeah. how, how did that end up happening? So, so through a series of life changes, I wound up in uh, San Diego and, um, you know, it's always been in the back of my head that I want to, you know, I, I need to get back into this. I need to start working out again. And I started visiting the different schools around Southern California to just to see what they had to offer, different styles, different schools. And, uh, the first thing I, I did now, there was a, you're familiar with um, Escondido, so there was a, I forgot the name of it, a Taekwondo school uh, on Escondido Boulevard next to where all of the, um, the grocery stores are. I don't remember the name of that. I, I know the name of it, but I, I'm... Yeah, okay, I know, anyway. I, I don't know what you're going to say about the school. No, well, I'm so. just saying, I, I, what I'm saying is I went in, that was the first place I went in, right? Because Taekwondo was fairly close to home. I went in there and, well, you know, just didn't excite me. And I just, I went to traveling. I went down to some Kung Fu schools that I saw, um, different schools. And then, you know, I saw it. I, I forgot where I think it was, yeah, probably a phone book or something. I saw a, um, an ad for Kaju Kembo and I've never heard of Kaju Kembo before, but you know, let's see what it's about. And I went to the address in a phone book and it was a, some place selling phone cards. <laughs> so I thought they went out. I thought they went out of business. I said, "Okay, well, you know, that's the problem with phone books. You know, is 
they get old fast. Um, so I don't know how or where, but somehow I saw a flyer somewhere that that had the Kaju Kembo at the at the uh, Rancho Bernardo Rec Center, and I stopped in. I saw a class. I like I liked the way the class was handled. I liked the method of instruction, and I said, "Okay, I'm going to try this." So you came in, and uh, who who did you see? When you walked in, I'm wondering who 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 was practicing. Well, I, I think um, Sifu Mike was there. Uh, I think on my first my first day. Uh, obviously, Professor Ronnie was there. Uh, wasn't a professor then. Um, I don't remember many other people. I, you, you were probably you were probably there. Oh, I was there. I, yeah. Oh, you remember? <laughs> yeah, I remember. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, I remember. Alright. Uh, um so you walked in and uh I guess going back to going back to these differences. Yeah. You uh did Taekwondo in nineteen seventy one. Then you walked into a Taekwondo school almost thirty years later, right? Over thirty years later. Yeah. And what were some of the first things that stood out to you when you walked into that Taekwondo class from 1971 and then 30 years later into the new one? Oh. And, and again, for, for you listeners that may be from that school that he's talking about, we're not, again, I want to make it very clear, we're not trying to attack your school or your methods of teaching or anything like that. We're just kind of pointing out some of the differences that have happened throughout time. That's all. Yeah. And, 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 and again... You know, um, so there was a period of time uh, somewhere it happened somewhere in the in the 80s or 90s where somebody came up with this formula to how to run a successful dojo. Right. You know, you get your black belt and you follow our formula and you could be a successful business person. All right. And. I think that's where the biggest change happened. Um, one of the things that I did not like about this, well, first of all, I watched the way the class was, was, was conducted. Um, I hung around, I watched some sparring. Um, I have a, one of, one of my, because I'm a little bit knowledgeable, I had a little bit of knowledge prior. Uh, you can always tell the quality of the school, of the teacher by watching the advanced belts and how they handle themselves, right? Um, so the fact that the, that the advanced belts that I, was, that I saw in the school at that time didn't impress me, the fact that they sat me down at the table and tried to sell me a condo <laughs> or a timeshare, a time um, I, didn't, I didn't want that either. A you know, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> like an actual timeshare, like no, no I'm, I mean I'm, I'm kidding, but but it, it was the same. If you've ever gone to a timeshare closing, you know where they set you down at the table and they they, they tell you all these things where you know you want to you want to sign the contract, and if you sign the contract, if you sign for two years, you can get a ten percent, and it's only a hundred dollars per month. But if you sign for two years, it's only ninety five dollars per month. You know. And you got and you get testing programs every every six months. We get another testing program for a belt, right? And once in my life, I signed a contract for um, martial arts class, and that was you know the guy wanted me to sign a, a one year contract. I said no, I'm not going to sign a one year contract. I don't know anything about what's, and that was recently. It was. Uh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu for six months. And it wasn't, you know, I, I was there for six months. I fulfilled my contract. They tried to get me to renew, but it wasn't what I was looking for. You know, so so I don't like signing contracts. You know, if if the guy wants to teach me, if he wants, if, if, if I'm going to be a student and I'm going to learn and, and the teacher wants to teach me, that's fine. We'll work out a deal. But... And I, but I understand, I understand the need for one. These guys have a studio that they're trying to rent and they need money to pay for that studio. 
And the way that they're going to get the money is to have a certain number of contracts signed, a certain cash flow coming in. I get it. But still, some of it like makes you feel a little bit poured out. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, that's, that's, that's a good way of saying it. It's, it's like, okay, so why am I doing that? Why am I going? Am I going because I signed a contract or am I going because I really like these people and I want to keep going? Well, with my in a, in a jujitsu class, I wound up going only because I had the contract signed. Yeah, yeah. And again, again, I think you made it really clear this isn't really about contracts. It's more about the kind of community you're building at your dojo. But kind of right. going, let's go, let's go reverse this back. What was, what was it that you were not impressed by, by these advanced ranks? Because you said, you know, it's just I wasn't impressed by what they were doing. What exactly? stood out to you as, as far as like things that you were not impressed with movement skills techniques um so i i i i mentioned to you once or twice or maybe once only i don't know um i was very fortunate in my martial arts experience that the instructors that I managed to contact, that, that I managed to, to train under, were first generation from the masters. All right, so you have to understand what my point of view is that every time there's another generation, things get lost. All right, they're not, it, it's, you, you can't remember everything that the master teaches you. So you're going to teach something that what you remember, maybe add your own little flavor to it, but it's going to be different from what the master taught you. And by the time you go down the, the lineage, all right, things get watered down. Very difficult to have a fifth generation black belt um, be able to replicate exactly what the master taught the first generation student. Right. So I was fortunate. All of the all of the teachers that I had in martial arts were first generation from the grandmaster. And and you can so so when I walk into another school and I see somebody who is well, right now a lot younger than I am. And they're sporting a first degree black belt. How can I expect to them to be able to teach me? They, they haven't been around long enough. They haven't studied long enough. They haven't trained long enough to be able to, to be able to communicate the techniques. And you're talking again, more based off of your personal experience, right? You're talking yes. about the idea that you started in 1971 you trained on and off, but I'm sure at that point, maybe cumulatively, how many years of Taekwondo training do you think you had when you walked into that class? Oh, six. See, so even like, even looking at the basics of Taekwondo and the way Taekwondo is conducted now, most Taekwondo schools will give you a black belt within two years. Right. So like you came in six years of, of Taekwondo experience, which would probably put you somewhere between, I, I'm not an expert on the Taekwondo system, but I do know enough of my friends that are in the Taekwondo system to know that if you did train for about six years, you would have somewhere between a, a second or third degree, uh, black belt at that point. Right. So essentially that's, that's, that's today. Yeah, that's today. No, no, that's not back then. Back then it took a right. lot longer. But what, what I'm trying to get at is, and for anyone, because I, I know there might be people listening right now thinking that we're bashing Taekwondo. And I'm not, I want to make it very clear, I'm not bashing Taekwondo. Um, Bob is merely talking about his experiences coming from someone who had doing martial arts for over 30 years, cumulatively did Taekwondo for six years, was working under a really strong lineage and then walked into a different Taekwondo school, essentially he'd be starting as a white belt with the skills that in that school would have made him a, a, above the black belts that are going to be teaching him. So it was mostly a disagreement 
with your experience and skills compared to the instructors that were there for you. If that yes, that right. Up, right, right. So, so you go into the tech. So we're gonna mix the record here real quick. So you go into the Kaju Campbell School. You join. You're ready to start your training. What were some of the things that stood out? What were some of the differences, even between Taekwondo and coming into Kajakembo? What were some of the differences that you noticed between the styles? Okay. Um, between the style, the style difference. Okay. Well, so so Taekwondo are, you know, 70, 80% kicks. They're headhunters. The kicks are all high. They're all trying to knock your, your head off. Um, there's a lot of flying and jump kicks in Taekwondo. I didn't see that in, in Kaju, which is good because I can't jump. Um, <laughs> so, um, you know, and so there, there was a, there was a lot more, um, hand techniques and blocking techniques for the upper body for the, against punches. All right, that I experienced in in Kajo. Yes, Taekwondo has the same low block, high block, middle block, but you execute those blocks more against kicks than you do against a punch. So when you're sparring in Taekwondo, you're blocking kicks. We throw a lot of side kicks in Kajo, right? We we throw a lot of front kicks in Kajo, but you don't get occasionally you'll see somebody do a spinning jump back kick or something, right? But it, it's it's not part of the normal curriculum. So I mean, those those were the differences from my 1970 experience with with Kaja comparison. So you come in, you notice there's more there's more hand to hand uh, techniques, there's more hand techniques, more punching. Uh, you start training. What were what were some of the challenges you faced trying to adjust to Kaju Kemba? Um, <laughs> that that I was old. <laughs> <laughs> I I didn't want to that, say that, it. I, I was waiting for you to mention it. My brain remembered what what I used to be able to do, and my body wasn't quite reacting the same way. Um, plus, you know, I don't I don't care how good you were. If you don't practice the technique on a regular basis, you lose it. You lose the speed, you lose the coordination, you lose the the angles, the the balance, you, you lose everything. So, you know, it's, it's things like my brain wanted to do things, but my body wasn't responding. So that was the hardest. So if you don't mind me asking, how, how old were you? When you started Kajukemba? Uh, I guess I was about 55, 56, maybe. I think when I started again. All right. And that really answers the question. I get, uh, for those of you watching this, I, I do answer questions either in YouTube or also Quora seems to be the biggest one where people ask me questions about martial arts, psychology, and podcasting. And one of the questions I get quite a bit is, if I've never trained in martial arts, is it too late to start now? And then I look at the age, or the person will mention their age. I'm, I'm 22, <laughs> and, I, and, I, and I've never trained in martial arts. Is it too late to start now? And um, and I and I've, I've had some people a little older ask me the same question. Some in their 30s, some in their 40s. What would you how, What would you say? Is it too late? No, it's not. It's never too late. It's like it's never too late to do anything. You know, it's it, it's it's all depends on where your head's at. Now, I will say this: that as I got older, it takes my body a little more time to recover from the, you know, excess excessive workouts. So, as an older person, and you know, we talk they they talk about how. You know, after 40, you have the testosterone drop. That's why you see a lot of MMA fighters retire. Even boxers retire around 40. Even the champions retire around 40 for the same reason. That testosterone drop means uh, slower recovery. That's, a lot of people think it's slower reaction time. That's true, yeah, a little bit of slower reaction time. 
but the really big one is the slower recovery. Like you, yeah. In order to compete at an elite level, you got to push yourself really hard to prepare for fights, and then pushing yourself like that. You know, when you're younger, you bounce right back. You, know, you go in, you have a heavy sparring or a heavy bag session, and the next day you come back and you can get right back in there and do it all over again. And and you can take your one day off a week and your body in that one day will repair all the broken down tissue and proteins and you're back at it again. Not to mention you can eat like a you can eat like a, like a horse and it doesn't it doesn't affect your body. Right. But um what what were some of the things you had to do to manage that? Um, so I, I was pretty fortunate because I was in, I, I, I thought I was in, I kept myself in pretty good shape. I wasn't overweight. I still had some muscle tone, a uh, reasonable amount of flexibility, not, wasn't really awesome, but it was reasonable. Um, and that's again, because, you know, in the back of my head, I, I, I kept on fitness programs, right? My legs had some reasonable strength to them. My knees weren't blown out from other sports and other activities. So I was still in pretty good shape. The thing that, that again, it, it, it was the recovery. Um, during sparring, if you get hit, um, it's going to take you a little bit longer to, for your body to fix itself up. If you have a, an overly hard workout in class, your muscles are going to be sore. You know, the, the next day you're tired. The second day you're sore. Well, it actually takes me today. It takes me a week for those muscles to recover before I can go back and perform and do what I, I did the previous week. So it takes it takes me a week. So definitely knowing your body, listening to your body. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, and, and I, I, I discovered that one-week time frame because, you know, you try to push it, you try to push it, and then you can't, you can't, you can't. So you take time off, you take time off. And the week is the magic number for me. Now, I'll also say that if I stop, I, I have to stay active because if I stop, things tighten up a lot faster. I lose it faster. All right. So, so consequently, I'm on like a, a six-day-a-week training program, but I have routines that I do on Monday that repeats itself the following Monday because I need that week to recover. So I'll, I'll go to the gym and I'll lift weights, but I'll do on Sundays, I do my back, right? And I do, I do hamstrings. So it takes me a week. The next Monday, I'll do my back and I'll do hamstrings again. All right, because it, it takes me a week to to recover, or next next Sunday rather. Yeah. And so you started doing cardio kembo. You start training. <clears throat> what? You're a little older, so you're figuring out your body and the recovery time. Um. How did things go as you were working your way through the system? What were your goals? I, I don't know if I started with any goals. My goals were to learn Kaju Kembo to get back into shape. I was, I, was, I was doing it for the physical aspect with the side benefit of the martial art. All right? Because to me, there's no better training program than something like a martial art because it has that side benefit of the self-defense portion of it. Gymnastics is good, right? Gymnastics will do the same thing to your body that martial arts will, all right? But it doesn't have that same extra benefit on the side, right? So, so yeah, to me, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't have a goal. My goal was to, to learn, to be in shape and to learn. I didn't, I didn't go in there and I didn't say, I'm going to have a black belt. I'm striving for a black belt. All right. I, I went in there to learn the art. And as time passed and you started getting closer to that black belt. Uh, then, yeah, then, then, then you say, hey, man, I, could, I can do this. Can do All this. right. And I, what was, I, uh, I, and you knew 
at that point you attended a black belt testing, right? You've seen a black belt testing in action. Yes, right, at the, at the gymnasium, right. And if you want to just yeah. kind of let my listeners know, what were your thoughts when you saw your first black belt testing? What did you I see? said, oh, I, I can do this. <laughs> nice. <Right? laughs> I can do that. I mean, really, I, I did it before, right? So, so yeah, I mean, it, 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 it was, so the black, it, the black belt testing in Kaju was, was similar, all right, to the experience that I had in Taekwondo, all right, 30 years, 40 years earlier, 30, yeah, 40 years earlier. Um, so, so, you know, I looked at it and I said, oh, man, this is this is pretty neat. You know, watch. I, and, and, you know, there's another thing is I trained with these guys. I trained with you. All right. I, I knew what you were capable of. I knew what what the people who you were fighting were capable of. I said, oh, wow, this is pretty neat. You know, this this is this is good. Um, and I, again, I, I was impressed by it. It wasn't you know, it, it, it wasn't you. You earned it. <laughs> all right it wasn't given to you it wasn't given to you all right no no that's exactly what what it is you earn it you uh i want to say some people think that it's a pass or fail and it's not really a pass or fail like where you pass you win people were like you have to beat you have to beat i believe in uh every school and every style is different and i believe in, in kyukushin karate in japan they make you fight uh very large amount of fighters. I forget what it is. It's like 50, Where is that? 50 or 100 or something. There's that 100 man. There's yeah, that 100, 100 man. man yeah. Thing. yeah. But there's something for their black belt test. They have to do something similar to that where they have to go through like, I think it's over 50 people. A lot of people. It's a ridiculous amount of people. And they Aikido, has, Aikido has that thing too. And they cannot lose to any of them. And they're full contact fighting with no gear. And um, they don't punch to the face, but they're still full contact fighting with no gear, bare knuckle. And they're allowed to kick to the head. And they're supposed to be able to either come to a draw or a defeat. They cannot lose to anyone. And um, what, I, what I find it interesting was that, like, you know, and it would do one-on-one -on -one fights. But I, and the Kajukembo philosophy is to break you. So... It's not so much about winning, it's about surviving and not giving up. So, like, you can essentially, quote-unquote, lose, get TKO'd, but as long as you get back up and you finish the time on the clock and you don't give up, then you, if you survive, if you survive the test, then, then you earned your black belt and everyone's gunning for you during that test. It's not, you know, it's not based on on this thing of, of winning, winning. I think that's one of the things that a lot of people think about when they think about martial arts. They think about, oh, how many fights have you won? And I always tell people, I have lost way more than I've won. <laughs> way more, way more so, than I've won. <laughs> you know, you have to think about that. Is is in every martial art, there's people that are better than others because their their physical skills are better. Or even two people on any given day, one will beat one and the other will beat the other on another day. All right. So it's it's the attitude that that prevails rather than the the aptitude, let's say. Yeah. Right? You can do it. You go in there, you have to know your techniques. There's there's you know, you, you have to be you have to be um, prepared. All right, you have to display technique. So you're not you're not going in there blindly swinging in a in a street brawl. You have to display technique, and and you you do show you you show forms and you show techniques and you show the the grab arts and the punch arts, and you display those. But when it comes down to the competition to the to the combat, it's about attitude. Yeah. No, it's yeah, exactly. It's about attitude, and um, and I, like I said, I sometimes people will ask me like I'll go to a training session, 
And now, like, as you know, I, I run my Kaju Kempo program, and I also visit jiu-jitsu schools and MMA schools. And I train, I cross-train with the, with, with the Gracie Barra School out here in Japan. And one thing that I noticed for me, my mindset when I'm training with people, is I'm not thinking about winning. I'm thinking about holding my own, but I'm never thinking about, like after a session, I don't sit there and be like, okay, well today I won five times. Today I tapped eight people. Or today I, I, I almost, I, I, not, I, uh, I rung, you know, in MMA today, there was a school that visited us and I almost not, you know, I, tech, I TKO'd this many people. I don't look at my training sessions in that fashion. Um, I, I look at my training sessions as this is the practice. They got me here. I was able to return. I was able to counter-strike. I'm always just thinking of the techniques as singular events. And I, and I don't look at it as a fight. I look at it as it's practice, right? I look at it as practice. I can, I can care less how many times I quote-unquote won. I care more about uh, what techniques did I execute that I wanted to practice? Was there a new technique that I've been trying to finesse that I was able to pull off? Those those things are more meaningful to me than than winning. If I know you're, I don't, you're competing, you're competing against yourself. Yeah, essentially. You have to do you have to do better than what you did last time. Exactly, exactly. Did I beat myself? Did I? Yes. That that's more important to me than. than was that. I better this time than I was last time? Yeah, yeah. And admittedly, sometimes I'm not. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I, again, again, you know, your, your your horoscope is off that day or something, right? Sometimes you're just you're just not you're just not up. You're, you're mentally your 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 body just isn't prepared. You're mentally not prepared. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So you got through the program. Can you tell me about how did things go? For you, for your black belt test, how was that? What, how was? Uh, if you want to share with my listeners, how how did that go? What happened? So so mine was a little different than the than the normal, um, probably for a number of reasons. But you know the biggest reason was I I got a new job. I was relocating, um, and 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 time was short. Um, I mentioned to, um, Sifu Rani at the time, Professor Rani, that, you know, Hey, I'm, I'm moving. I'd really like to find some way that we could come back and, and train on a once a month or something basis and, you know, try to, try to, to work towards it because, you know, I, I like, you know, I'm, I'm almost there. I'd like to, I'd like to get this black belt. Um, you know, and it's the, okay. So yeah, we can do something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, show up to class one day and there's a bunch of people there. Um, a lot of his black belts were there. People that I haven't seen in a long time that only show up once in a while. And okay, you know, this is cool. Again, far from my mind, right? And then we start, we start with the regular class and we go through the regular class and then, and then, um, there's a, um, Sifu at the time did this thing where he had the, the two rows of people and and you have a 30 second or one minute bout and then one row stays placed and then the next row shifts down one so you have a whole bunch of people in front of you and they keep changing you know well all of a sudden i got this group of black belts in front of me <laughs> and uh you know we're smart and and these are you know because it's 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 a different environment they're supposed to be like you know supposed to be 75 50 75 percent contact you know and and uh you know I, the first i i don't remember who the first black belt was but damn that wasn't 50 percent. i wasn't 75 percent contact what the heck's going on here you know <laughs> damn <laughs> all right we got to step this up a little bit man you know what the heck's going on right so, so, you know, okay, so that was the first one. And then, then the, the next one comes in. I'm standing in front of another one. I don't know. It might, might have been Sifu Simon. And, you know, the same thing's happening. 
And it's like, oh, man, come on, man. I thought this was, I thought this was like, you know, we only do 75% over here, you know? And then bam, again, I said, okay, all right, you know, gonna step this one up again. And then it just, you know, all the way down the line, things were getting a little more difficult than they normally were. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I went through all, went through all of that. And then, you know, at the end of class, it surprised me and, and, you know, asked me to step forward and present me with the black belt. That's awesome. So like I said, it was a little bit different again, because of the time constraint, but you know, I, I've been training with, so it, it, I wasn't new. He knew what my capabilities are and, and what I was able to do and what I knew. So it was fun though. Little disappointed that it wasn't, you know, the, the gymnasium thing, but I'm still alive. <laughs> <laughs> I get surviving, right? That's that, that's the goal, really. <laughs> so, hey, yeah. the, the gymnasium thing that that he did that was, um, you know, every school does it differently. But I've seen him that surprise belt promotion that he did for you. Yeah. I've uh, I've seen him do that too, and okay. um, I actually cool. think. I actually believe that the gymnasium one is easier because you can prepare for it and you know what's going to happen. Ah. While the way you did it is a little more difficult because you just think, like you said, you just think you're there on a regular day. Right. <laughs> <laughs> a regular day of trading. And I mean, yeah, Kajikumbo is hard. Our 50% is considered 80 in other schools. I mentioned earlier with my Taekwondo story. But um, but we're always like during a regular day. We're not essentially trying to knock you out. Like we do go hard. We'll go hard to the body. But for our tests, it's it's we we go at each other like a real fight. You know, we're trying to we're trying to knock you out. We're trying to get you. We're trying to TKO you at least. Um, not send you to the hospital, but we are trying to. We, we for that black belt test, we want you to be able to defend yourself or at least try to survive against. Uh, opponent who is better than you, who's really so don't, yeah. who's really gunning for you, right? And they're not just and the normal the the normal sparring in class. I mean, you know, everybody's had the wind knocked out of them, right? People have gotten chipped teeth, get hit in the face, right? You, can you come out with bruises and stuff on? Yeah, right. You know, <laughs> I've, I've I've come out with welts on on my bicep because somebody walloped me on the bicep pretty hard and. Couldn't move my arm the next day. And that's a regular training class. Yeah. Yeah. But like when you come in and surprise, the surprise black belt test, you know, and usually the way we work in Kajikembo is, you know, we'll kind of, if we do end up walloping each other and someone says, oh, I got injured during my last sparring session, we'll just kind of take it easy on that person for the rest of the day. So like, if, for example, I go in and I fight Sifu Mike. And you see if Mike go a little harder than usual and see if Mike hurts my arm or my shin. Eh, if I if I tell Sifu, okay, you know, my shins hurt or my legs hurt, I'm gonna go I'm gonna go light for the rest of these for the rest of the sparring session or for the rest of the practice session. Okay, that's right. cool. And then everyone will kind of you know, we'll go off of that. But when you're being surprised tested, like I said, since in the test, if that happens, it's about being able to continue and the next person's not gonna go easy on you. <laughs> <laughs> And, and the other it's, thing is, it's a little know, more of a kind of caught off, you know, not cut off guard. It's a little more of a shock, like wow, it's being hard off me today. <laughs> oh man! But you survived, and you got your black belt. And um, if I'm not mistaken, Sifu gave you that one with an instructor certificate, right? Yes. Yeah. So you became, yes. you became you got the title of uh, of Sifu. Sifu. And uh, just to let my lesson, listeners know a little bit of our school, uh, you can get your black belt, but you do not get your instructor certificate um, with your black belt. It's rare. So, so Bob's case is a little bit rare. Um, normally, you get your black belt, and then you show to, to your instructor that, that you're not going to essentially quit. You're going to keep training as a black belt. You'd be surprised how many people get your black, their black belts. And then, you know, life takes them in whatever direction it takes them. But, uh, but yeah, uh, you have to earn your instructor certificate. So Bob showed our instructor, you know, Professor Rani Seguri, that, that he was dedicated and knew the techniques and demonstrated them well enough to be able to be an instructor himself, and he earned his instructor certificate with that. Congratulations, 
belated congratulations on that. I told you that before. Yeah, thank you. So you got it. You moved. Yeah. What uh? What are your goals now, Bob? What do you want to do with your with your martial arts? Well, so so the last seven years or so, I've been studying kung fu. Um, again, fortunate enough to have a excellent teacher that was first, you know, first generation from the grandmaster. And um, the the kung fu has has helped me tremendously with kaiju techniques. Um, I was a little, uh, you know, a little, a little stiff, a little rigid. Fighting stance was off sometimes. Um, my movements weren't fluid. Um, I, they, they weren't efficient. Kung Fu is making me more fluid, more efficient, and dare I say, faster. Um, I'm not wasting the motion. I'm not wasting the movements. Um, when I was, I, I, I think you and I might have talked about this during sparring, is I had this little bit of a phobia because of it, maybe because of the Taekwondo background, I wanted to stay kicking distance away from my opponent. All right, I didn't like being up close and personal. That's changed. All right. Um, what what I've learned in, in Kung Fu is sometimes you need to be up close and personal. Um, and maybe I got a little of that from that, you know, six month in the BJJ. I'm not afraid of somebody's sweat. So you know. <laughs> that's, that's, the bigger, that's the unmentioned one in BJJ. That's the unmentioned, yeah. yeah. Everyone talks about, oh, you know, you're going to be closer. BJJ is really up close and personal. And they think, oh, it's because you have this person who... It's not just that. It really is the sweat. Like, literally, <laughs> yeah, someone's, but... someone else's sweat all over your face um, really can throw off your focus if you're not if you're not focused enough. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so, I mean, there's there's that aspect. But my, 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 um, my view, my, my view of, um, of self-defense and offense versus defense has changed. All right. Like I said, with Taekwondo, it was long. I got fairly long legs. So, Kicking was cool because I can keep that opponent away from me. All right. Now I don't have to do that. So it's, it's helped me. I'm, I, I like to look at them taking the, the Kaju Kembo and I'm breaking it up and I'm learning each of the parts. You know, I, you, know, I, you take the, the, the karate part and I'm associating that, although Tang Sudo is a little bit different than Taekwondo. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm checking that box off. I'm checking the box. I'm checking the, the, the Kung Fu box off. That's All right. Um, as I mentioned, I'm looking at, I, I, I'm looking at moving. Um, hopefully by the, before the summer's over, I'll have another job somewhere else or I'll be moving someplace else. I don't know what the new area is going to be. I don't know what it's going to offer. All right. Hopefully, I'm going to find something that's going to complete the the kaiju family of martial arts. Right. Maybe I can find a kempo school somewhere, or better yet, maybe there there is another kaiju person somewhere else in the world. Um, it doesn't have many followers. There aren't many kaiju schools in the various states. You can't go to a strip mall in in Wichita, Kansas, and find a kaiju school. <laughs> no, you cannot. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, there's there is quite a bit of instructors, but yeah, they are they are scattered across the globe, literally. Right, and and they tend to be focused in certain areas. They're focused. You know, there's a bunch in Southern California. There's a bunch of of them in L.A. area. There's a few. There's you know, California's got that box covered. All right, Phoenix Phoenix area, Macho has has that box covered. You know, I'm sure there's there's few on the East Coast somewhere. I don't know where they are. Other countries have got them. You know, yeah. Denver's Denver, I think, is still active with Kaiju. Yeah, Puerto Rico, Spain, 
Puerto Rico, Portugal. Uh, Portugal. Yeah. Um, I believe there's one in the UK. I forget where. I think London. And uh, well, now Japan because uh, of me and yeah, now Japan and, and uh, Sifu John over in Okayama. But still, right, only two of us in all of Japan. So, and also uh, Turkey. I think it's Turkey. Wait, I Turkey? might be. I might. Be, it's it's in the Middle East, but I forgot where. It might be. It's either. Yeah, I, I don't want to. I don't want to mess this up. I don't want to mess this up. It might be Pakistan. So for for my listeners, I forget where that school is, but it, it's uh, It's in the Middle East. I know that much. I know that much. But yeah, scattered, kind of scattered across the globe. Yeah. yeah. Well, Bob, I'll, first of all, I really want to thank you for taking your time and doing this interview. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> and you know what I mean by that. Um, is there any closing statement you want to make to anybody listening? Um, any advice? Oh, I don't know. Any advice you have for people who feel they're they're older starting martial arts? Yeah, there's there's no such thing as you're too old. If you think you're too old, you will be too old. All right, so don't think you're too old. Um, just go in there and, and take it easy and let your body tell you how far you can push it. Listen to your body, you know. Eat healthy. That's, that's the most important thing. Um, work on flexibility. Flexibility is going to get the older people. It's going to take you a little bit longer to get flexible. But do it slow. Don't start ripping and tearing things. Uh, because that happens too. I, you know, stretching weakens your muscles. All right. So, so you can't have both, but you can stretch and you can train. And then, you know, obviously if you get older, bone density becomes a factor. So weightlifting is a cure for, uh, to counter bone density loss. So there you have it. If you're going to start, you're going to start. And it's like anything else. You know, if you really want to get out of it, you got to put into it. So don't, don't just think of it. It's going to be a, you know, a hobby that you're going to do two days a week because you're not. Yeah. There's no such thing as martial arts season. It's not like football right. or soccer. Or anything like that. So, I mean, that's, that's, that's it. You know, you, 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 you go to class to, to exercise the te techniques that you've learned. You go to class to learn new techniques. But when you come home, that's when you learn your martial arts. That's when you get your body. It's like, you know, it's like anything else that you learn. You go to school, you learn something, you come home and you study and practice. It doesn't work if you're just going to show up for, you know, an hour twice a week. It's not going to cut it, especially when you're older. So practicing at home, taking what you learn. Got, got, and you got to supplement it with other stuff. you got to supplement it with stretching and lifting. Now, I'm not talking older. I'm not talking about 25 and 30 years old. I'm talking about older. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Not, not the not the 19, 20 year olds who keep hanging on court. <laughs> yeah. 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 We're we're talking about you know after that testosterone drop after after 40. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, if you if you're not getting if you're not getting mail from ARP, you're not old enough. <laughs> All right. <laughs> uh, well, Bob, thanks again for being on the show, brother. Um, I really appreciate it. And uh, and for my listeners, this is part of the Kajukumbo series. Uh, I hope you enjoyed the interview. Stay tuned for the wrap-up. All right. So that's the wrap-up. Thanks for checking out Social Jello with Angelo. I've been starting to get into comedy, so I'm going to be performing on August 31st at an open mic. Uh, you can check it out. The information is at my Facebook page. If I haven't invited you, you can check it out at Jello for Rare. Uh, it's at the Cafe Lingua in Osaka, Japan, in Danoji. And it's between 7 and 10. I have a 10 minute stand up set that I'll be doing. 
and hopefully uh, I can make some people laugh. It's my first time doing it, and I'm kind of nervous, but uh, it should be a good one. All right, well, thank you very much. If you stayed, if stuck around this long listening to the show, please just hit subscribe. And uh, if you're interested in Kaju Kenbo training, check out the Kaju Kenbo training playlist, and it shares all of my Kaju Kenbo, not all, but many of my Kaju Kenbo techniques, as, long, as well as uh, beginners' tips on how to get started with martial arts, basic stretches, punches, and kicks, and that kind of stuff. All right, I'll catch you all later. Peace. Thank you.